on today's episode, Sprained Ankles, Treatment, Prevention and Insights. Welcome to the Run Smarter Podcast, the podcast helping you overcome your current and future running injuries by educating and transforming you into a healthier, stronger, smarter runner. If you're like me, running is life, but more often than not, injuries disrupt this lifestyle. And once you are injured, you're looking for answers and met with bad advice and conflicting messages circulating the running community. The world shouldn't be like this. You deserve to run injury-free and have access to the right information. That's why I've made it my mission to bring clarity and control to every runner. My name is Brody Sharp. I'm a physiotherapist, a former chronic injury sufferer, and your podcast host. I am excited that you have found this podcast and by default, become the Run Smarter Scholar. So let's work together to overcome your injury, restore your confidence, and start spreading the right information back into your running community. So let's begin today's lesson. Away. This is a solo episode. Um, I am. I'm just looking through my schedule now. I have one more or two more success stories. Hopefully, you are enjoying them. Um, I have also, if you haven't caught in the last episodes, started a new podcast, the Overcoming Proximal Hamstring Tendinopathy podcast, which is a mouthful, but is having really good success and really niching down. Not necessarily for runners. But if you do have someone who is suffering from proximal hamstring tendinopathy, I know there's a lot of people out there. If you can if you can direct them to that podcast, uh, it'll be fantastic. Today we are talking about sprained ankles, and it's a episode I've been meaning to do for a while, but have recognised that ankle sprains aren't that common as a running related injury. However, a lot of runners do get sprained ankles either on the trails or outside of running, and then they are unsure of how to return to running once they've sprained their ankles, say, during team sports on the weekend. And so um, I thought I would provide some insights on how to overcome a sprained ankle or rolled ankle and what you can do with your return to running and then answer some patron questions, which is fantastic. Thank you for your input. Um, my experience, I have rolled both ankles probably um, up to 10 times, having a long history of playing basketball. And I became quite fearful of continuously spraining my ankles and so wore some braces, wore some those sort of Velcro strap-on ankle supports and also just a high-top basketball shoe, which helped a bit. Um, well, I, I guess it helped a lot, but recognize now that it was just a, an overly protective um, mechanism without me really paying attention to uh, rehab or strengthening or prehab. This is in my teens. But once I started studying physio and getting into my 20s, still playing basketball, I weaned off the, the braces and started focusing a lot more on strength and function and didn't have a, a rolled ankle since. Um, I did get to the point, and I think some of you might experience the same thing, where you roll an ankle multiple times, and after the you know fifth, it just doesn't get as sore. You recover quite quickly. I think the ligaments are quite lax, and your body just 
It doesn't do the same amount of damage it once did when you first rolled your ankle. So that was me. That's my experience. Um, where, how can we structure this? I have a few things written down and I thought we might start with, if you do roll your ankle, especially if you roll a very common mechanism would be you step on something, you step on someone's foot or you step on a branch, twig, change in direction and your ankle rolls outwards. It rolls to the outside and that's a very, very common direction, very common mechanism. So I thought I'd start with potentially, once that happens, ruling out any serious injury or a potential fracture. And in physio, we learn what we call these Ottawa ankle rules, which is some tests that a therapist can do to rule out if it is if there is a fracture. And so um, I found a systematic review in 2003, which was titled Accuracy of the Ottawa Ankle Rules, for excluding fractures in the ankle and the midfoot. And they describe these rules as two or three rules, depending on um, the part of the foot. So for the ankle assessment, one of the rules is you need to be able to walk four steps. So if you can wait bear at the time of the injury or when you are in the emergency department, if you're able to wait bear and walk four steps, that counts as a tick. They then check if there's any bony tenderness on, if you look at your ankle and you see those two um, bony lumps on each side of your ankle, so they're called your malleoli, uh, the therapist or doctor, whoever assesses it, will feel around those bones, particularly behind those bones or at the very tip, at the very um, bottom part of those bones. And if there's tenderness, that's when you need to get an x-ray to see if there's um, any signs of fracture if it's a midfoot so if you're getting pain not high up at the ankle there but further down at the foot they then see if you can wait bare for four steps but then their palpation they look for tenderness somewhere different it's at the navicular bone which is kind of in the midfoot or at the base of your fifth metatarsal which is kind of if you continue to follow your uh, little toe towards your midfoot so it's on the very outer portion of your um, arch where the arch is if there's tenderness there then you'll have to get an x-ray to rule out a stress fracture however i'm uh, not a stress fracture just a, a fracture in general <clears throat> however if you can wait bare four steps even if it's painful but you're able to do it and there's no tenderness it's almost a 100 percent sensitivity so what we mean by sensitivity is if you pass all those tests it's almost certain that it's not a fracture which is nice because a lot of people don't present with those. It's just a, a stiff or swollen or sore ankle. But then we can quickly rule out a fracture with those tests. So the conclusion of that systematic review I was just talking about, they say that evidence supports the Ottawa ankle rules as an accurate instrument for excluding fractures of the ankle and midfoot. The instrument has a sensitivity of almost 100% and a modest specificity so the specificity is if you do have a positive so if you do have tenderness on those points or you're unable to weight bear the likelihood of it actually being a stress fracture is quite high but not a hundred percent so there might be some false positives there um and i can continue and its use should be should reduce the number of unnecessary x-rays by 30 to 40 percent so that's the study I found. 
I thought I also might include talking about a high ankle sprain, which is what we call um, also known as a syndesmosis injury. It's it, it's a lot less common, but probably worth knowing. In my experience and what I know about this, it's potentially trauma-based. So if you get tackled or if it's a little bit more of a, rather than just a rolled ankle, if it's a roll and twist um, in another direction, so maybe you roll an ankle and get tackled or get hit by something, um, or you te- you can roll your ankle in a different direction. Some people can roll their ankle awkwardly, but um, in more of dorsiflexion, so bringing their toes up towards their knee or have the foot planted and their knee twist and go further down towards their um, their ankle, like twist it in more of a, a dorsiflexed position. Something like that. Something that's really awkward, something that's a little bit more trauma-based. And what happens in this high ankle sprain is not necessarily damage to the outside ligaments, which you usually find, but it's damage to the part where down your leg, down your shin, you have two bones. And when it gets closer to the ankle, those two bones um, connect together with ligaments. And also in between those two bones, all the way up the leg, you have what we call a syndesmosis, which is kind of like fascia that just um, webs the two bones together. And if you have this awkward injury of this syndesmosis injury, you can disrupt or cause damage to those ligaments that um, connect to those two bones together or disrupt the syndesmosis that's that webbing that kind of connects the two bones higher up on the leg and that we, you do need to um, get this assessed we do diagnose it with what we call a squeeze test or an x-ray or any other scans um, so we want to rule that out because we do need to treat them slightly differently it is a bit more severe and does take a little bit more time off. If it's extremely severe and the syndesmosis is quite damaged with like a high grade, um, sometimes it might require surgery. But uh, just thought I'd add that in just as a bit of information throughout this episode. Uh, But treatment. For a standard ankle sprain, where do we sit regarding treatment? Um, The studies that I looked at, they're quite old. One was in 2002, one was in 2010. Um, and back then most of the treatment was immobilization for seven to 10 days, especially when treated at emergency departments, they, they'd give them crutches to tell them ice protect. We all know the rest ice compress, elevate that rice acronym and immobilize until you're able to walk again and then slowly start walking again. That's what was, um, believed and is still practiced somewhat here and there. But I have found a couple of studies that had looked at um, mobilizing the ankle or accelerating your rehab with trying to um, force the ankle to have more function in the early days, particularly in the first week of you actually rolling your ankle. Just quickly chiming in here to let you scholars know, I have just updated my five-day injury prevention challenge. This is one email per day for five days, learning new concepts and diving into the science on how you can reduce your risk of injury. The sign-up link is in the show notes, so fill in your details and I'll be waiting for you in email number one tomorrow. The first study, the 2002 review that I found was titled uh, Immobilization and Functional Treatment for Acute Lateral Ankle Ligament Injuries in Adults. And they found that 
functional treatment appears to be the favorable strategy. So rather than ice, you'd rather do some functional training early on for treating acute ankle sprains uh, compared with immobilization. They do say, however, that the results should be interpreted with caution because they're the results themselves weren't that significant after excluding a couple of low quality trials, uh, but many more trials were uh, poorly reported and the definitions of what they actually used for functional treatment wasn't uh, that similar. And so interpreting their findings needs to be done with caution. There just wasn't available evidence. There was a really nice study that um, wasn't a review, though. It was a randomized controlled trial in 2010. That title was The Effect of Accelerated Rehab on Function After Ankle Sprains. And what they did was got 101 patients, so quite a large study, with a, um, they found 101 people that had either a grade one or a grade two ankle sprain. So a grade three would be a complete rupture, which is very rare. But for the most part, the, the grade ones, the grade twos, and they split them into two groups, two rehab groups. The first one was going to be called the exercise group. And the, the second group would be what they call the standard rice treatment. So you rest, ice, compress, elevate treatment. But that's only in the first week. They're the only two differences. So both groups received advice about how to apply ice and how to apply compression. The advice that was given to both groups around ice and compression was to do 10 minutes of ice, um, 10 minutes of compression interspersed with 10 minutes of rest three times a day. So they're icing and compressing 10 minutes um, three times a day and do that for one week. So in that first week for the exercise group, they undertook some therapeutic exercises adapted from this standard protocol, which was a bit annoying because they didn't actually describe what exercises they actually did. They just said that they followed uh, therapeutic exercises. They did mention in the little footnotes that I managed to find that one included like a circumduction, like a um, range of movement exercise, rotating the foot. Um, just if you were to uh, float your foot in the air or raise your foot in the air and just start spinning it around in a couple of circles in a circle action. That would be one of the exercises, but they did also mention that there were weight-bearing exercises in the sagittal plane. So that might be calf raises. It might be a foot to, um, a knee to wall kind of stretch or mobilizing the ankle that way. Uh, but they also did mention a, an incidental finding that because the exercise group were instructed to do these therapeutic exercises they actually walked more as well they spent more time on their feet so they calculated that on average um, they walked more than 1.6 hours per day compared to the other group this conservative rest group which only walked 1.2 hours per day so 40 minutes extra per day they were on their feet walking around um, so what else the Advice that was also given, uh, they didn't give any advice around external ankle support like bracing or bandaging or taping um, or, or the analgesics, what sort of medication to take. So neither group had any advice around that. They, they purposely didn't support those sort, that sort of advice. So that's the difference in the first week. So that we just are encouraging more weight bearing, more exercises compared to the second group, which was more rest 
and ice compress and just um, heal, take some time off. But then when it came to weeks two to four, treatment was exactly the same between groups. They encouraged the ankle rehab exercises, focusing on strengthening, neuromuscular training, and sport-specific functional exercises, depending on the individual. So what did they find? They found that function, pain, and swelling, on average, the participants in the exercise group, the ones that mobilized a lot earlier, they did better at weeks one, two, three, and four for function, uh, and the overall treatment was more effective in the exercise group. However, there was no overall treatment effect when observing the pain at rest, pain with activity, or swelling. So the pain at rest, pain with activity, and swelling was consistent amongst both groups, which is kind of positive for me to know that if you were to mobilize and were to exercise early, there's no worsening pain. There's no worsening pain at rest. There's no worsening pain during activity and there's no increase in swelling. So the physical activity um, week one after the injury, the exercise group were significantly more active as measured by time spent walking, the average number of steps taken per day and the time spent doing light intensity exercises. So it seems to be with this particular study of 101 people that early mobilization is, um, it does help your rehab, which I have seen in clinics to be really successful. So I have a few key takeaways from my experiences working with people with ankle sprains. One, you want to move and weight bear as early as possible. As early as possible, once a stress fracture, uh, I keep saying stress fracture, once a, a, a fracture, an avulsion fracture of sorts has been ruled out, you don't need to be that fearful to weight bear, even if there is a bit of pain. I always say there might be a, a stage in the early days where the, the pain is too much and you start limping. However, once that pain starts becoming bearable, so that you can walk with normal biomechanics, with a normal gait pattern, with only minimal pain, that's exactly the point when you need to start doing it. You need to start encouraging a, a nice gait pattern, putting rolling um, the necessary weight through that ankle instead of just limping the whole time. So try and adopt a normal walking pattern as soon as you can, even if there is a little bit of pain. I've noticed people heal so much quicker when they do that. If you are limping significantly, if you try and walk normally and there's too much pain, you start limping, then don't do a lot of walking or try and slow down your walking as much as you can because if you start limping and you go walking a lot, you're going to be distributing the weight um, to the knees or to the other side or to the back. Uh, so make sure you adopt a normal walking pattern, even if there is a bit of pain, before you start doing a large amount of walking. I do have this ice bucket protocol. I don't know how it works. I don't know why it works. All I know is it works wonders. So I'll share that with you now. Those who have an ankle sprain who have a fracture ruled out, I get them to get a mop bucket. I get them to fill it up with three quarters cold water followed by one quarter of ice. And so the water will get very cold very quickly and you sit down and you put that affected foot inside the in the ice bucket so that it would cover the whole entire foot and go, you know, almost a quarter way up your shin. 
and you sit there for five minutes. After the five minutes, the foot goes a little bit numb. It is very uncomfortable to do, especially for the first couple of minutes. But once you've sat there for five minutes with your foot in the bucket, you then stand up with your foot still in the bucket and you start doing calf raises. So double leg calf raises, try and encourage uh, as much range of movement as you can. Trying to focus on as much weight bearing as you can. If you can evenly distribute the weight, then fine. If it's way too painful to do calf raises, you might want to lean a little bit to the unaffected side. But you do calf raises for a couple of minutes and then you do squats. So the foot is still in in the bucket the entire time. You do some squats and encourage a little bit of dorsiflexion. So the first one was encouraging plantar flexion with the calf raise. Now encouraging that dorsiflexion range and do squats for a couple of minutes and then you sit down for a couple of minutes. So all in all, the process takes around 15 to 20 minutes. And if it's really acute, really severe, you probably want to do that twice a day for the first two days or three days. Um, If you can't do that once a day is fine for three days. I've just found that that routine just works wonders. And there's a couple of theories that I think one we're mobilizing early. So that's, the previous study that I mentioned would support that Two, I I think it tricks the brain a little bit because the foot is a little bit numb. And when you start weight bearing and doing these functional activities and it feels, doesn't feel as bad. I think it tricks the brain to think that it's healing a little bit, but it gives you more confidence to start weight bearing outside of this ice bucket thing. Um, and just the fact that it's ice, the fact that we have the compression of the ice as well uh, of the water, I don't know, maybe just a combination of all those things, but it works. Uh, the only time it doesn't work is when we find a fracture later on or if someone finds a fracture later on. Um, so yeah, I thought I'd share that. It, it works wonders, particularly with team sports. If you're involved in netball, basketball, um, yeah, and you roll your ankle, give that a try. We're going to answer some patron questions. So we're going to start with Jesse because it falls into the, I guess, the flow of today's um, structure. Jesse asks how to strengthen the ankle after a sprain. Good question. I've got a couple of points here. First, we want to start with some balancing exercises and proprioception exercises. So a good test you can do is just see what your single leg balance is like. We can see what your single leg balance is like with your eyes closed compared to the unaffected side. And if you're really far off, then you you do need to do a lot of balance and proprioception work. It can just involve just standing uh, standing with your eyes open, eyes closed, one finger support. Um, however, find something that's challenging yet doable. If you're losing balance every two seconds and having to put your hands on the wall or place the other foot down, you're not really getting much benefit. So find the level that's challenging for you. You can progress your balance and proprioception exercises by integrating a wobble board, uh, either doing two feet or one foot, trying to slowly either control that wobble board back and forth. So tap heel toe very gradually, or just try and keep all sides of the wobble board off the ground. So that's a progression. We can do some banded exercises. Most people are familiar with um, having the band attached to the outside of your foot and fixated to something on the inner and then trying to rotate or evert your ankle and providing some structure to um, the lateral ligaments and structure to the perineal muscles. That's a very standard exercise. It's given uh, with ankle sprains. So give that a try. 
barefoot walking and just intrinsic muscle exercises once you're able to does wonders of strengthening up the foot and strengthening up the ankle so do so when you're able to and do it at levels that you can tolerate but intrinsic exercises you can see you can google like toe yoga is a really nice one or the the toe mexican wave all these exercises can do wonders at building up the intrinsic foot muscles then we get on to calf strengthening we get on to calf strengthening week one but you can progress that to do single leg or do weighted calf raises um, on a step we can do eccentrics we can do both eccentric concentric uh, depending on your level of function then we're moving into some level of agility drills hopping hopping side to side to see what how confident you are to do that and we just build up from there and then just get as functional as we can depending on your individual needs whether you need to return to team sports or whether you just need to do straight line road running it just depends on the individual so hopefully there's some key takeaways and what we like is this tends to follow this new model of the injury acronym um I'll, I'll, I'll google it now it's peace and love which i've discussed um a couple of times in this podcast oh let me try um google so injury peace and love acronym so what we're looking at is um let me pull up google images rather than this rice rest ice compress elevate which has been known for decades based on the studies that we know there's this new acronym peace and love which is the peace is kind of the couple of days if necessary to try and protect and settle down the area and so peace well let's go through that it's protect elevate avoid anti-inflammation medication compress and educate so all of those is if something is really stiff really swollen let's just say we have a sprained ankle where you're unable to wait while you're unable to uh, walk without a limp there's significant amount of swelling these are the procedures that we will put in place however as soon as we are able we integrate this load acronym so uh, this love acronym so we've got peace and love where l you guessed it because i just said it is load so loading as much as we can O is optimism. So making sure, first of all, with the education that you are optimistic and you're um, for optimal recovery, being confident, being positive, those that mindset. We're not anxious. We don't have fears. We're not um, unsettled or we have all our answers addressed when it comes to this injury. So that's another one. The V in love is vascularization. So doing some sort of cardio activity, keeping the blood circulating, keeping that heart pumping, keeping you active while you are taking some time off. So if we're talking about ankle sprains, something maybe like swimming, if you can't swim, then putting a kickboard in between your knees so you can't kick and just exercising with your arms. We could do, say, a rowing machine, um, which doesn't require a lot of work through the ankle. If you can't do anything through the legs, then maybe just some stand-up boxing or some seated um, resistance training, something along those lines. Uh, so just keeping active, finding some sort of cross-training variation that doesn't stir up the ankle, but you're still keeping active. And then we have E, 
in this love, which is exercise. So restore mobility, strength, proprioception by adopting an active approach to recovery. So that's a lot better, um, a lot more comprehensive and, uh, and tailors more to our current level of understanding for managing injuries compared to that RICE acronym. So thought I'd share that. I know I shared it a couple of times on this podcast. Uh, let's move on. So we have uh, prevention and another patron, Nathan, he asks, is there any uh, impact with shoes to minimize our risk of re-injury? And it's a good thought. I had a look. I tried to find some research, which I wasn't that successful. I found a really old one, 1995, and it said the role of shoes in preventing or in the in the prevention of ankle sprains. They mainly looked at team sports. They mainly looked at basketball and wearing different types of shoes, mainly like high tops compared to low tops. And the findings were um, quite sporadic. Some found that taping the ankle with a high top reduced the risk of sprains. But then we saw other studies found that high tops increased the risk of ankle sprains. So it's hard to say. If we want to reduce or prevent our risk of injury, we need to just do our proper rehab. We need to make sure that we have our proprioception. We need to make sure we have our level of strength. And we need to make sure our return to sport or our return to running is gradual enough. You wouldn't believe when the amount of discrepancy I see when someone says they have recurrent ankle sprains and then we have a look at their balance on their single leg with their eyes closed compared to their other side and they're just shocking. So maybe try that out yourself if you find a big discrepancy. We need to start going back to basics and working on balance and proprioception work. Um, In my experience with like shoe types or my understanding with shoe types for prevention, I say it wouldn't do a lot, especially for runners because runners will uh, will roll their ankle if they step on something, if they step on a gutter, if they step on um, a branch, especially if they're in the trails and it's uneven surfaces, it wouldn't really matter what type of shoe they wore. Um, It would, because it would just, um, all it would matter is how strong you are, your foot placement and able to negotiate that uneven surface. Unless you want to wear some like really high tops, which runners won't do. which takes me to the next point, which is kind of around taping or braces um, for prevention. And I'd never liked that idea. I never liked the idea for uh, definitely for a long term. If someone isn't that confident on their leg and they want to tape it up for the first couple of runs to see how they go, that's fine. But we really want to weigh up, are are we protecting the area or are we deconditioning it, especially over the long term? So if you're constantly taping or wearing braces because you're apprehensive to run without it, you feel like um, you're a bit vulnerable without it, then just do some really good rehab and make sure that we're ticking all the boxes there. Lastly, as a patron question, we have Carly who asks a really good question. So when I do roll my ankle, when do I need to see a physio? Is it something that I could just manage on my own? and what circumstances might require an assessment from a health professional. I've got three dot points. Uh, The first one is if you are unable to weight bear, so at the time of rolling the ankle or um, like that day, if you cannot take four steps because of severe pain, then I would get it assessed. That might be a 
you might go to the emergency department because they might scan it straight away or you might want to go to a health professional to clear things and say yeah um, whether we do need scans or not the second point i'd say is after about three or four days if you're not seeing a good gradual improvement then go see someone if you are scenarios i could think of would be like the swelling would be like creating too much stiffness and you need a bit of mobility work or you need a bit of guidance of how to handle for the, the next couple of days. But what I see usually with ankle sprains, especially if you had it in the past, they just get better day by day or there may be worse day two, but by day three, day four, day five, it just gets better and better and better. If you're noticing that, then you don't need to see a physio. If your progression plateaus at any stage, it could be week one, week two, week three, if you're noticing that the the arc of recovery is starting to flatten out and plateau, definitely see a physio because they could accelerate that healing and make sure that you're ticking all the boxes with your rehab and full recovery. The last point I have, if you should see a physio or not, is um, if you're constantly rolling your ankles. If you're constant, if you have a history of constantly just rolling over, rolling over, then you might want to see a physio. Just there might be a missing link or a missing piece to your rehab prevention puzzle. Um, because we do know that if you continuously roll your ankles, you might have extended time off. Um, and we want to we want to try and strengthen up your weak links. So you can go to see a physio for a prevention strategy, um, making sure you're implementing the right things. Uh, great. Thanks for all your questions. Um, I do know for the patrons, um, I will be asking questions for them to submit their questions if there if there isn't a lot of engagement then i'll probably in most cases make it available to whoever else is on the social media feed so in the facebook group or on instagram i'll probably reach out there however if there's enough questions that are asked in the patrons then we'll just leave it there if you do want to contribute to the episodes ask questions to guests um also the patrons do receive exclusive episodes once one a month and new patrons do receive the whole past archives of all the exclusive episodes so you can listen and binge all those exclusive episodes that i've already done i think there's five or six at the moment um then you can join the the patron group um the link is always in the show notes if you do want to register and become a patron and join our our lovely family um let's let's finish off with a bit of a recap so one Yes, we want to do our Ottawa ankle rules to rule out a, a fracture. So walking for four steps and that tenderness on the bony parts of the ankle, we want to do, want to assess that, make sure that's okay. If you're fine, then we can rule out a stress. Uh, I've said it again. We can rule out a fracture. Um, and we want to prioritize early functional treatment. We want to prioritize uh, early functional exercises. We do want to make sure that we start weight-bearing and walking normally as soon as we can. And if you want to give that ice bucket protocol a go, so sitting for five minutes, up and doing some uh, calf raises and squats for a couple of minutes and sitting down for five minutes, doing that a couple of times a day will work wonders. Make sure that we're implementing the right things in our rehab. So we're doing the right proprioception and balancing exercises, and then we're progressing accordingly. That's, that's our, um, our topic. That's our episode today. Hopefully 
We have um, brought some understanding around the importance of early rehab. We have some insights into ankle sprains, exactly what to do about it and what we can do for treatment and also prevention. Thanks for joining me once again. Thank you for listening. Happy running for the rest of the week and we'll catch you next time. Thanks once again for listening. To take full advantage of the knowledge you are building, you need to download the Run Smarter app. This contains all of my free access podcast episodes, written blogs, and eBooks, along with my paid video courses, all neatly housed into categories for you to easily navigate through and find content you're interested in. Also, be sure to check out the show notes for links to the podcast Facebook group and links to learn more about becoming a podcast patron who contribute five Aussie dollars per month to get Inner Circle VIP access, including an invitation into the exclusive patron Facebook group and a complete back catalogue of patron-only podcast episodes, which you can access within the app. Also on the app, you can even find a link that takes you to my online physio clinic, where I assess and treat runners from all over the world, so I can be on standby if you ever need one-on-one physiotherapy assistance. Once again, thank you for listening and becoming a Run Smarter Scholar. And remember, knowledge is power.